Today is Tuesday, February 6th, 2024, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. All right, today we have some good discussions. All right, <laughs> I give an update on my cat status. I had a sick cat a while ago, and someone inquires about it. Then we talk about the LGBTPS community. Stay tuned. Um, and we talk about, you know, uh, how love love is love, right? Like, it needs to be anchored in something. Otherwise, it's this ethereal, ethereal, vapid kind of like, love is love, you know, cat is cat, shoe is shoe. It's like, what does that mean? Um, so you need something to anchor it in, not just some, like, some fleeting feeling or something like that. Anyway. Then we talk about cyberbullying. Some of us have kids who are adolescents and approaching teenage years, things like that. So we talk about best practices to um, deal with cyberbullying. Um, <laughs> some people will be like, that's too harsh, you're a monster. Well, buckle up, buttercup. Is that cyberbullying? Am I cyberbullying you right now? Anyway, uh, then, then there's a rap uh, hip-hop segue, which I know little to nothing about. So if that's your thing... <clears throat> You'll get it. Then we come back to revisit the topic of souls. And we talk about souls and, um, you know, evidence for, evidence against. Why do we believe? Why is there existence of a soul in the Christian worldview? Why does it matter? What's the importance? Then we talk about uh, biblical end times and prophecies and things like that for just a little bit. So, um, if you would like, check out the Ask a Christian store. Grab some stuff. Support this podcast. People need Jesus. Amen? Yes. Anyway. Yeah, share these links and enjoy the podcast. We'll catch you later. Happy Tuesday. <laughs> What's up, CU? Hey, man. Um, so first, I just wanted the last kind of cat update. That kitten from like a year ago. All good. <laughs> and everything. <laughs> yes, it's it's probably too good. Yes, it is. It is alive and well. I think its growth is permanently stunted because it's like half the size of its sister. Um so yeah it continues to to eat things it shouldn't though like just the other day it was like hacking up like uh one of my kids hair ties that got on the ground it had somehow eaten the entire thing and then regurgitated it from its kitty cat bowels so yeah it, it has not learned its lesson but yeah it is it, it's it, like a it's little a, um pika cat it basically likes plastic and all that sort of stuff yeah there, there's a name for that yeah, it's called pica because that's like not a normal thing. It's like a personality disorder amongst cats. Huh. And so, what is like pica? What does that yeah. actually mean? Um, so it just basically means that there's like an addiction to anything that has plastic or smells <laughs> similar to plastic, and they they eat it even though they they and they don't associate the throwing oh. up or whatever with it. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that sounds and like basically anything that's like stringy or yarn-like. It, it like if you just like throw down some yarn or thread, it'll eat the entire length. Um, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we've got one of those. So great. Um, <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no government funding to help you with it, though. That sounds speciesist. I, I maybe I can email someone about that. Anyway, so yeah. Other than that, it's still alive and kicking and full of energy and meows so annoyingly when there's like a door that shuts and it doesn't feel included it uh, just constantly meows so like when my wife is, is getting ready is this a tabby cat is this a tabby or what type of cat is it uh just like a domestic short hair um well apparently like its sister is like a bombay cat so so yeah oh that's right it's like it's not a domestic short hair it's like it's some kind of 
I don't know, some kind of mix. There's like Siamese in it or whatever. But like the sister, I mean, looks like a Bombay cat. Like we looked it up and it's like Siamese, like has Siamese qualities or, or something like that. But it's like jet black, like black feet, black pads, black whiskers, like everything, 100% like jet black with like the yellow eyes that are unsettling. So um, the internet says they can go for like 700 bucks and we got her for 20 bucks at a shelter. Um, anyway, so like what, whatever makes that breed, but her sister is not because it's like a tuxedo cat. It's got like black and white all over it. Um, anyways, so um, man, that'd be like the profit of the year. Pay 20 bucks on a buy one, get one free cat and find out it's worth like 700 bucks. Sounds like you got your next business idea. Yeah, I just have to keep finding, well, I mean, who's to know, right? <laughs> I put a $700 cat on the internet, they'll just be like, that stuff never works for me. Like other people would be like, oh, you have a great cat business. If I did it, they're like, no, I'm just going to the shelter. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. If I had high school to do over again, I, I would have went to college for like business and marketing. Like it's like, uh, it's like magic to me. Anyways, um, yeah, yeah. So besides the the cat status update, um, yeah, yeah. Like so, when my wife is getting ready in one room and I'm sleeping, okay. So I'm sleeping in my bedroom. My wife's getting ready for work in the bathroom with the door closed because you know lights and noise. But then my kids are getting ready for school in um, the the kitchen. They're like doing their lunches and stuff like that with the bedroom door closed. And I'm like I'm just waking up about that time because like I, I wake up. I hit the ground running. Everyone else wakes up and has to have like an hour and a half to get ready. So anyways, I'm about to wake up at that time, but in the last like 15 minutes of my peaceful sleep, the cat will like just meow so loud. For such a little cat, it is so loud. It'll meow until the kids let it out in the kitchen. Once they do that, it realizes my wife is through the bedroom getting ready in her bathroom. So it stands at the door, meow, meow, meow. So then my wife will come open two doors, let it in, go to hers. It just, it's like a meow game for like 20 minutes. I, oh. I wonder sometimes. Anyway, well, uh, you're, you're, that, that maybe that's how your uh, spiritual endurance gets tested. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Ah, so do you have anything on your mind today? Uh, yeah, I, I, well, I have a random question for you. So, regardless of you liking one or another, how do you just generally feel about two baby boomers running for president? Well, interesting. Okay, so how can we correlate this? Um, maybe maybe finance to wisdom or whatever. So, I mean, generally th speak, I, I just heard this like talk over the weekend and they were quoting stats from I forget where. Um, it was like a reputable stat place. Anyway, but they were saying like the, the wealthiest, like most financially successful people are, I may mess this up slightly, but it was something like are 60 to 70, and the next, the second is 70 to 80, and third is 50 to 60. So <laughs> um, I don't know if wisdom or, or capacity can be accounted to that, but I think generally speaking, the older is better until there's like a fall off, which obviously is different for everyone. But I mean, you know, when you have a wise man, like a village elder or something, it's like you typically want the oldest person who can function in that role. So if, if someone gets so old that they start having cognitive decline, <coughs> well, then that doesn't count in this time to go. They've fallen off. But if you have like a 101-year-old, in theory, who is mentally sharp and acute and, you know, can make decisions thoughtfully and with wisdom, then you would probably want that guy. Um, I mean, it usually doesn't happen because people fall off, the, fall off the wagon before that. Um, but, yeah, so, so 
I think, man, like, I guess I feel good about the age. The age doesn't bother me because with age comes wisdom as long as it hasn't hit that decline yet. Um, and if it hits the decline, well, then, you know, that's their time to ride off into the sunset and enjoy the last of their life. Um, so as long as they're still able to function and employ the wisdom they've hopefully learned over a lifetime, then that's good. That typically gets people out of wars. Uh, the younger you are, not saying across the board, but the younger you are, typically the more like, you know, headstrong and you're like, oh, yeah, you don't like that? Fine. Let's settle this in the street type thing you are. So um, anyway. If I can't be president, then, you know, sure. All right. So I'm, I'm going to rate your answer as good. Um, what about Congress in general and term limits? Like, how do you feel about having people like Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi or who have been there for like 100 years? Well, I mean, back to the first thing. Um, so now now with, with no term limits, we can add, um, you know, the susceptibility to corruption. But both of those people you mentioned – uh, I don't think would pass the mental acuity test. I just saw McConnell <laughs> McConnell freeze up no less than like 30 times, like little micro freezes while he was, uh, let's be fair, 15, while he was um, talking about the bill that they're trying to pass, um, you know, the bipartisan bill for the wall and all that other stuff that's trash. Um, he, he froze up like just Mr. Freeze brought him, shot him with a freeze gun. So, uh, and Pelosi, like, you know, same thing. She loses her train of thought and, I mean, she's kind of irrelevant now, but yeah, those people are past their prime. They're on their decline. They should not be serving anyways. They should be enjoying their stolen stock and retirement. Um, yeah, term limits absolutely should be because look at it. Like no one has term limits and people have been there for like a thousand years. So the amount of corruption is out of control as demonstrated by this new bill, the new bill. So you know, uh, Schumer's like, you know, throwing himself all over McConnell being like, it's the most amazing relationship. We've worked so close together. This is an amazing display of unity. But then when you actually read the bill, not just what the news people talk about, but when you start going through the bill, it's like, you know, a billion pages. When you start going through some of it and seeing the details, um, <laughs> um, you're like, OK, well, it's like a, a bad unity because it's screwing the country and the American people. And it's just giving, you know, it, it's. It's basically like the most corrupt position you can take. Now, instead of just one side taking it, the unity means both sides have taken it. So that's what I think about that. Yes, there should absolutely be term limits because the temptation for corruption is almost unbearable and overwhelming. So if there's people that come out unscathed and uncorrupt, um, I, I don't even know if you can say anyone comes out un, uh, of Congress uncorrupt. It, it would just be less corrupt. I would say, I mean, I, I, I have met a lot of members of Congress. I would say there's a few that I, I think are actually high-quality people. I mean, Rand Paul actually being one of them, regardless of, like, you know, what views he may take or whatever, he seems like a really kind of decent human being. I will admit that that's a rarity, but I but I do think that that exists. Uh, okay, so my last question, I want to tie it into Christianity, is uh, Gabe Lyons wrote this book called Unchristian. Have you first heard of that ever? No. Okay, so he basically, uh, this was about maybe 10, 12 years, 10 years ago, and he interviewed millennials about their perspectives on Christianity. And the two biggest criticisms they had was Christians are way too political and way too judgmental. 
Um, so what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I get it. <laughs> I, I guess that's it. I, I mean, I, I get it. I, I think there's nuance there. Um, but just from the outside looking in, um, you know, you would have to talk to these judgmental Christians and find out how Christian they actually are. Uh, just because you go to church and call yourself a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Um, so, so there would be a lot more nuance if they really explored it. But if you give them that chance, they'll say, no, I don't care that much. Uh, because even if someone is judgmental, it doesn't take a lot of time of their day. There's like, oh, they're a judgmental Christian. They told me I'm bad. Great. Th that's not going to do anything about your day. So you just move on and, you know, call them bigoted or whatever. Um, so I don't, I don't think it's that big of a deal in their own lives. And if it is, well, then investigate if you really care. Like, find out what kind of Christian they are. Find out what they really believe. And, you know, if they seem to, to be a true Christian as described in the Bible, well, then maybe be like, hey, follow your own book. Hey, your own book says, you know, this. Um, and, and by the way, you know, the judgy thing, like, that's the common thing. It's like, your Bible says not to judge. No, it doesn't. It says judge rightly. Um, but in judging rightly, it also talks about, you know, I didn't mean like, you know, don't associate or not necessarily not judge, but don't associate with people in the world. You'd have to leave the planet to get away from everyone. You have to interact with society. But there's also, you know, a time and a place. And I mean, I, I'm I'm going from like Ephesians to Ecclesiastes, like I'm going all over the Bible. But that's fine because it takes the totality of the Bible to work through this. So if people just want to take a couple cherry picked verses and, and be like, see, your Bible says this. Right. But it also says this. And it also says this. So you, you know the entire Bible. You should because you're a Christian. You're trying to be Christ-like. So you need to absorb the entire Bible as much as you can and apply the totality to your life, which is going to give you temperament and nuance, um, you know, time and a place and judge and judge rightly. And, you know, don't worry about not associating with them. And I was talking about Christians. So you need to take the, the entirety of the Bible and live by that as best you can, not just one or two picked verses. But yeah, I get it. I mean, you know. Do you feel like that's something we should work on or it just kind of is what it is? Well, of course we should work on it. But there's also, you know, are people, are, are people, if you say, hey, don't play on that road, get out of that road. Are you going to be like, oh, stop judging me. I can play on the road if I want. Boom. And you die because you just got smacked by a truck. I mean, most God-hating atheists, <laughs> um, None of them here I can say that, God-hating atheists, because like, I don't hate God, there is no God. <laughs> you know what I mean. See, they call me judging right now. But, you know, mo most, like, militant atheists would be like, well, no, that's not bad for that Christian, you know, judging, if that's what you call it. They're trying to save you life. You almost got hit by a car. Um, so, you know, there would, there would be misplaced accusations. So if we weed out all the misplaced accusations um, for, like, legitimate good or legitimate help, and then that gets blurry, right? Because you'd see, like, the LGBTPS agenda – um, Christians would say, well, that's legitimately being helpful. You that say God has a better... Did you add new words? Uh, yes, that's new for letters? pedophiles and Satan. Oh. Uh, anyway, so if, if you are a part of the LGBT community who does not want to be associated with that, you need to distance yourself from that community. You can still be as gay as you want. Uh, you can still be as LGBT as you want, but that community, you should distance yourself because it has been co-opted by Satanists and pedophiles. Straight up, like Google it. Every time you see like pride parades now, it always has like giant demon horn drag queens and, you know, lots of like pedophilia people with like, you know, kids in underwear running around. Just saying. I mean, you know, watch the news. So if you are, uh, you know, 
consider yourself a kind, loving, moral gay person, and uh, that's just your lifestyle, you should distance yourself from that community because much like the rainbow flag in Christianity, it has been co-opted and taken over. So, uh, yes, uh, new letters. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, I, I, I never understood why the LGB allowed themselves to be so strongly tied to the T. I feel like the T weighs them down a lot. I mean, preaching to the choir. <laughs> I, I agree. But, I mean, I mean, now they're tied to everything. So, like, just imagine, like, 50 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, when it was mostly just, like, you know, gay people and, like, gay and lesbian people. I guess lesbian people would be gay, but you know what I mean. Um, just homosexual people. And that was it. Think how those people feel now who, like, began the movement, and now it's been co-opted by, like, everything. And, like, it, like the least claim to fame is just, like, homosexual people. It's like, oh, you're, you're just a gay woman? No, nothing else, no bells and whistles, you're just a gay dude? That's it? Like, wow. Like, like They're like a step away from being ostracized from their own community because they're not like, they don't, they don't have any other accolades. Like, it's not like, oh, I'm a, you know, gay, trans, BIPOC, two-spirit uh, furry. It's like, oh, you're, that's like the pinnacle right now. Not joking. Um, anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I guess there's, you know, sympathy for those people. I mean, I guess, you know, it's never too late to you know, change your ways and come to Christ. Uh, but where is it going with that? Right. So there would still be nuances, right? So whenever people say, well, if you're judging rightly, you're judging to help people, Christians will say that applies to the LGBTPS community too, because, you know, they're, they're trying to tell them God has a better way for their life and stuff like that. And other people will see that as bigoted and judgy and harmful. So there, there will, it's very subjective on where that line is. I think most of us can agree if someone is saying, uh, hey, get out of that road because you're about to get hit by a car or a train tracks and train or something. Most people will say, okay, well, you know, that's not being judgy. That's being helpful. And then just dial it back from there until it's actually judgy and not helpful or pushes people away. But of course we should work on it. We should always work on it. <laughs> if I had more of an audience, I'd be so banned from YouTube right now. Do you uh, do you notice certain YouTube videos do better than others? Is there any like common theme at all that you notice? I'm done. Uh, I'm done over the podcast views, obviously. Yeah, probably the titles I'm going to use today. But I mean, if there's really like provocative headlines, um, you know, uh, if there's any political events, Sean, I will invite you. You better have not horrible audio. Um, but usually if there's like, uh, ongoing political events or like hot button things, like, you know, um, those headlines will get the best views because I mean, people are way more interested in them and it's more provocative or, you know, anything about like, you know, Biden or Trump, of course, um, or, or even like religious stuff. Um, so some also like deep theological topics. Like if we talk about a bunch of big words, <laughs> like, um, I don't know, hypostasis. I mean, that's one of the smallest big words. But I mean, for example, like big, big, like theological terms, like that will get a lot of views, um, especially in like uh, BitChute, because I guess for some reason, a lot of religiously interested people go there. Um, so like big theological phrases, uh, those will do the best over there. But yeah, so if it's just stuff like, hey, here's the gospel, crickets, <laughs> the thing that should be the most important, uh, you know, it has the least interest. Unfortunately.
Yeah, such is, such is life. <laughs> but that's just our job, right? It's to share the gospel with people, and if they don't like it, that's their choice. Um, if they, you know, if they receive it, congratulations. Oh, you know, I, I am. Um, gosh, what is the guy's name? I, I, it was at church this weekend. Uh, this guy was. It was like a guest, and he had a lot of a lot of interesting points. Uh, one of them, he kind of on the love is love crowd. Um, and it's like if you don't have a definition other than the word, it's like it just becomes vapid. And you know, I mean, it's like stuff everyone knows, but you know, sometimes you need people to really point it out or say it in a different way. It's like, well, yeah. It's like you know, it's like. Oh, love is love. Love is love. It's like, what does that mean? It's like, burger is burger. Shoe is shoe. It's like, if you don't have anything to anchor it to, and in this case, it would be God. But like, if you don't have anything to anchor it to, then just some like vapid, ethereal, like, oh, just just love. And, you know, just generally vague, nice things. And, you know, just just emotional reactions and feels. It's It's very not love. But if you have something like concrete, like, you know, Love is anchored in this. While you were enemies with God, Christ died for you. Um, you know, love is patient. Love is kind. Like, you know, love is these things in 1 Corinthians. Uh, so if you have something strong to anchor it in, like God is love, it's like, oh, now I, that has a different meaning. Sean, what's up? All right, let's test this out. How are we doing today? Microphone check. Mic microphone check. Hey, that's actually all right. <laughs> Uh, we're actually driving down the smooth road. I'm not, I'm not responsible when we hit these rough spots. <laughs> I cannot control what the DOT is supposed to control. Well, CEO, what are you, uh, what are your thoughts on that? On which aspect? I don't know. The love is love thing, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, so one of the things that I think is interesting about a lot you learn from the Bible is that it lines up with the best practices in, in neuroscience, which is basically, yes, you have to have a deeper anchor because then you're more likely to value something and then act on it. So I think it perfectly aligns with neuroscience. You know, I guess we can talk about cyberbullying. I mean, uh, I'm probably not the best equipped for this because I'll just be like, stop being a weenie. They're like, oh, no, you call me a weenie. Ah! So I may not be the best equipped, but I mean, that was another topic that was touched on. And also, like, you know, my, my kids, I'm like, okay, I should probably be a responsible parent and, you know, try to, like, try to preempt anything for my kids. Because apparently I learned uh, also over the weekend in this, in this pretty interesting package presentation was – that uh, the the number one um, like death uh, cause of death in teenagers is cyberbullying. So I, I haven't had time to like independently verify that, but let's just say I trust the guy and his sources. Is this so suicide from cyberbullying? Is that the idea? Yes, yes, that's the idea. Like someone says, you know, you look fat. You should kill yourself. No one likes you. And they're like, oh no, there's no way out. And they kill themselves. So <laughs> uh, th there's not a lot of nice ways I can do that that wouldn't be wouldn't be also considered cyberbullying. But I was like, dude, don't be a weenie. So anyways, I'm, I'm trying to like, you know, present this to my kids because, you know, they're, they're not to that age yet. Like they're, they're barely starting to get phones and, and things like that. 
So we probably have a little while before they really experience the brunt of that in the world. But I'm trying to preempt it. And, and having this conversation with my kids who are still pretty young, it's weird. I'm trying to like make it like PG enough. And I'm like, hey, okay, so you know, apparently this is a big issue. So this is the conversation on the way to school today. And I'm like, apparently this is an issue. And like, lots of kids actually kill themselves. Like, what? I would never do that. I'm like, okay, that's the right answer. But keep running with that. Keep, keep that the right answer. And, uh, you know, we talked about like Elijah and the Bible. They're familiar with the stories. I'm like, look, that guy asked God to kill him. But, you know, even he had the common sense, even he had the sense not to kill himself. And I'm like, look what happens. He asked God to take his life. But instead, God sends him an angel, feeds him, picks him up, sends him on his way. And, you know, happily ever after. Um, so I'm like, you know, even, even this prophet of God was feeling like depressed and down, like he didn't want to live anymore. So that is never the right answer. And, uh, but I, I think the big thing was trying to like explain because it's often like embarrassment and shame, right? When, when like, a you know, people like send like, like nude pics and stuff like that and they get tricked. So it's trying to like preempt the naivety. So on one hand, they need to learn some mistakes the hard way, but not in such a hard way that, you know, they go running for the razors. So I'm like, okay, so for example, if, uh, you know, like there's this girl uh, dating a boy and they're like, ew, boys, never. I'm like, also right answer. Not until you're like 50, then you can date. But um, so I'm, I'm, tr I'm trying to like make this PG in a way they can absorb. But I'm like, okay, let's just there's, say there's friends, right? And one girl has a new swimsuit and, and her friend is like, hey, send me a picture of you in the swimsuit so I can know what the kind it is, so I can buy the same kind of swimsuit. So I'm like, okay, that, that's like, you know, PG enough, hopefully. So like, why did you do that? That's weird. I'm like, yes, that is weird. But let's just say that happens because things like that do happen and people kill themselves over things like that plus some other stuff. But I'm like, okay, so say your friend, you got a new swimsuit and the friend is like, hey, send me a picture of you in a swimsuit so I can see the brand and I can see the design so I can go buy the same one and we can be twinsies. Ah, girl power. Um, I'm like, don't do that. I'm like, just consider. And she's like, I'll never show anyone. I just want to see it. So I, I know what one to buy. I'm like, never do that. Always consider there's a video camera on you at all times. And the whole world hears everything you say and sees everything you do. I'm like, just pretend like that. Right. So that way you never step out of line and do anything that you're uncomfortable with that would make you embarrassed because everything you say and do, you already assume everyone knows. So I'm like, if you don't do that, and let's just say you send a picture, you know, yourself in that, and then your friend gets mad at you, or your friend's trying to prank you, or something like that, or she's not really your friend at all. And then she sends it to like Facebook and everyone in the school, and everyone's like laughing at you and be like, oh, look, you're so ugly, you're so blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah, you should kill yourself. I'm like, then you're gonna feel really embarrassed and really bad, and that is what makes people end their life prematurely. And they're like, I would never do that. I'm like, great, keep doing that. So I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Best parenting advice ever, yeah. or never talk to kids again. I, I, I do have specific thoughts on this. So, because I remember I, you were talking about your kid the other day. So yeah, yeah we we'll get into that. I, yeah, I mean, so I, I'm, I, I don't think the approach has to be that direct because what is the thing that causes them to react that way? It is them internalizing criticism. So I think the thing to teach is to help your kids define themselves as opposed to letting outside opinions define them, right? And so, like, you know, with my son, for instance, this is something we worked on since he was young. And, like, if someone at school disses him in some sort of way, he just makes a comment back. Like, he could, he just doesn't care, right? So I think it's more about helping them understand you define who you are, you know, God has told you who you are, 
and like not to allow external criticism to be internalized in that way. And then um, a couple weeks ago, I got to meet Austin Eckler, the running back for the Chargers. And, you know, he's like 5'9", 185 pounds. There's no way he should be as good as he is as a running back. And I asked him, I said, if you had an 11-year-old, what advice, you know, how, what, how would you parent them? Like, what would you do? And he said he would make them do stuff they don't want to do. So if they don't like doing push-ups, make them do push-ups, right? And his idea was that um, kids these days are just kind of given what they want too much. And if you make them get used to doing things that are challenging for them, it also just builds up resilience. Well, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. And I, I guess my thought is also, not, you know, to prevent like giant landmines that you don't know you stepped in it until you stepped in it. Right. So it's like if you're if you're just thinking, oh, I'll just be myself and not let people bother me. Ha ha ha. I'm just going about my way. And if people say mean things and I'm just going to you know, give a quippy comment back and and show them I don't care. And then next thing you know, like, you know, a thousand people are like, you know, um, being like straight up demons to you on social media or however that goes. It's like, oh, crap. I was prepared for one thing. I had no idea. This is what everyone was talking about. This is awful. So I guess to try to like preempt those like giant landmines that you you wouldn't think about or wouldn't really realize until you, it actually happens. And then there's like no digging yourself out of it. Um, but that's that's like the next worst thing, right? Do you remember those kids in school? How, oh God, that, that, that's almost worse than just like taking it. Um, so like the kids who were bullied, right? And I remember a guy I actually ended up being good friends with. I, I was kind of a jerk. I wasn't a bully, but I, I was just, he looked really weird. Like he had bright red curly hair and it, it almost seemed like he was trying to, to be Are odd. you bullying him now? Huh? Are you bullying him now? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's you. <laughs> no, but he, I mean, he, he looked very like clownish and it was bad right i mean i was young i was in like middle school or first of high school i mean i, I was a jerk but i mean i wasn't like torturing the guy i just made a couple comments um but still it was bad i shouldn't have done it but uh, anyways whenever i did he's just like yeah whatever like shut up i'm like huh and i mean i, I was not really a bully right uh, but there was a I, I guess that was me trying to dip my toe in the water of being being a bad guy but it nothing ever happened and, you know, I kept seeing around and stuff like that. And, you know, we were in closer proximity. Um, we, we started make, having some of the same friends and stuff like that. And we ended up hanging out together. I'm like, oh, okay, well, his hair looks insane. But, I mean, you know, he's a pretty nice guy. And he probably thought some stuff, stuff about me, too. Um, but, yeah, so we ended up actually being pretty, pretty decent friends. So I'm like, okay, well, that, that's probably not a bad way to handle it. Um, the, uh, the worst way to handle it, I'm convinced, well, don't just take it and run away and cry because that just feeds, that's like blood in the water and they want to do it more. But equally as bad is when someone like, you know, tries bullying someone, they're like, oh, shut up. I knew you are. But what am I? It's like when they try to give like a witty comeback or retort, but it falls flat. It's like that. That's just so much worse. Do you know what I'm saying? Can you explain it better, better yeah, than I am? But it's no, like, no, no. I know you are. But what am I? It's like, no, you just made it infinitely worse. Yes, th this is actually a really good point you're making. So I do think one of the things to teach kids is like help them with their sense of humor, because if you do have that comeback and it falls flat, then it opens you up to more. So, yes, I, I do think it's important to cultivate their, uh, their humor. <laughs> Sarcasm. I, I agree. No, I agree. You, you are absolutely correct about that. <laughs> Thank you.
What do you think, Sean? You know, back in the days, we used to play a, a game called the Dozens uh, when I was coming up. It made you have to be witty on your feet. Uh, something like, your mama so fat, she got out the uh, swimming pool and, and she left a big old ring because she was so dirty. Like, uh, something like that, you know, and you had to be sharp. You had to do that. You had to know how to trade those those witticisms, playing the dozen, you know, uh, or as, as grown folks would say, telling lies. They were telling tall tales. Uh, about something that went and it'd be real funny at the end. But that's the way you had to keep sharp. Now, as far as, hey, I was bullied in school until I decided to pretend I was Dick the Bruiser. You know, old, the, school, uh, old school wrestler. <laughs> and so I started dropping elbows on, the, on this one guy who was just bullying me. And so they left me alone for, uh, people left me alone for a long time until the to the new, to a couple of kids in middle school kept bullying me, and one one guy just had to a punch, and I blocked it, and he was so shocked, he never bothered me again. Oh my gosh, I was about to say, like, the same thing, oh, it's, that's hilarious, the same thing uh, happened to me, uh, like, I, I never really got bullied uh, too much, but there's like, there's like two guys over the span of like, my, from like, yeah, I guess high school. So um, they, they were like the, I, I guess, popular, not for like sports or stuff, but like popular for like being like the, the bad kids or whatever. Anyway, so sometimes they were cool. Other times they would like try to, I, I guess, like bully me a little bit. So one time we were, um, there's this football game and we were like hanging out like up, up by another practice field, just all the kids. And I guess this guy thought he was going to like, you know, just be a jerk. And he tries to throw this football from quite a ways away and like, you know, hit me. Um, so it just so happened at that moment, I, uh, I turn around and like my, my arm, I, I just like swung around, had no idea. And it hit the football and like sent it away. They're like, Oh my gosh, what are you? Like, they thought he was like a ninja master or something. I'm like, huh? I mean, I didn't deny it. I'm like, okay, think that. And then another time, like, uh, I had my book bag and I was like walking out to, to the buses and this guy comes over and, um, again, wasn't paying attention. He like tries to grab my book bag, like off my shoulder and I, I just like spun around. And I just like just kicked. Like I, I just he swung me around. And I just like you know just kicked as hard as I could. At whatever I didn't know, but I mean it caught him. It caught him right in the gut. And uh, they're like oh, and then everyone saw it. They're like so. They, I guess they thought I was like some like ninja master when it was like 100% a fluke, and I had no idea what I was doing. So I'm like, all right, well, thank that. <laughs> Anyways, but I, I never had too big of problems. Just like those couple instances, but. That's hilarious. So, uh, Sean, we are the Ninja Masters. Why does it say Mark is the other one? Why does it say Mark is the other one in the room? It says he's the other one. How how am I not? Am I not following Mark, or is Mark not following me? I don't even I don't even have an option here. I, I can't. Why is Mark all? Yeah, it says remove friend. So Mark is my friend. Uh, friends with the speakers. Oh, Mark, are you not friends with me? Do you need to add me? Oh, never mind. There you are. I guess it took a it took a minute to recognize it and move you up. I was troubled there for a minute. 
CEO, do you have any uh, any ninja warrior stories to recount? Um, when I was in eighth grade, there was a kid bothering me, and I, I was really like a more quiet kid. And so he said something to me. I literally just grabbed them, swung them, and threw them into the wall. And everyone at school was like, oh. <laughs> and then I didn't get, no one bothered me the rest of the year. My son, though, is, he's 11 and he has his black belt in Taekwondo already, so he uh, he will he will fare pretty well in case anybody messes with him. <laughs> Get him some uh, brass knuckles for his birthday. Just kidding! Don't buy your son brass knuckles for his birthday. It's not a not an official position of the Ask Christian Room, but I mean, hey. <laughs> Did you hear about this whole drama with um, Nicki Minaj and uh, I guess it's Megan Thee Stallion? This whole, I this have whole no idea who that is. I know, oh. I know Nicki. I don't know the Megan. I don't know them. I don't know the Megan person. Okay, so all right, so for perspective, right? I mean, like you know, Nas and Jay Z had their beef back in the day, right? But it was like you know, it was more so like entertaining, right? But um, um, Megan Stallion said something about like, um, they don't hate on Megan, they hate on Megan's law. And Nicki Minaj's husband, w when he was younger, was basically arrested for like, uh, you know, dating someone underage. And that's essentially called like Megan's law, right? So, so that was pretty personal. And then Nicki Minaj responded by talking about her dead mother and giving the site of her graveyard. And so literally the the cemetery had to increase security. <laughs> yeah. So the level of personalization, and I don't know if it's female rappers, I don't want to, you know, gender um, stereotype, but the level of personalization was shocking to me. You, you, Nate. Have you ever seen the new Planet Fitness commercials with the with the guy that was in the in the cloud? Uh, no, I don't think so. Well, well, the one who's playing the guy that is Megan the Stallion. All right. Oh. All right. But all this is back in the day when you had beef, you set it on the stage. And see, it had a battle rap. Like in a rap battle? Yeah. Oh, yeah. this is way like, too eight mile for my blood. Oh, before, oh, I'm going, <laughs> look, I'm talking Cool Mo D versus Disney D. LL Cool J versus Cool Mo D, that type of stuff. You settle it on wax or you settle it on the stage. This, the, oh, oh, except the for Tupac. Doing, that stuff didn't start getting popped up. Except for Tupac. He said did. He got very personal. Fifty Cent really is the one who is the one who started making things very personal when he did that when he basically destroyed Ja Rule's career. So that that's how that foolishness started.
I remember Tupac in that one song said to that guy from Mob Deep, don't you have sickle cell or something? Don't mess with me and die. (laughs) That's a lot. There's very little I can contribute to this discussion. (laughs) I hit him up. Wait, Nate, you didn't listen to Tupac? I like changes. Does that count? Yes, it does count. All right, then get me a bandana. Tupac has so many memorial songs. Dear Mama, keep your head up. Changes. Oh, yeah, so much more. I ain't mad at you. Tupac What's up, so Big G? Biggie. Hey, especially hey, what's Biggie up, brother? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. Uh, just getting up this morning, getting my daughter ready uh, to go to school this morning. So, Any question, comment on your mind? Oh, um, I was just listening to the conversation. Um, I heard a CEO talking about the... Uh, you know, the uh, the uh, Nicki Minaj and the uh, Megan Thee Stallion thing. And, man, these women are just bad examples um, to set for women. Um, uh, they, they're just bad. They set bad examples for young girls and women nowadays. Um, it's, it's just crazy, um, especially the, the, uh, the music industry itself, man. These people are being controlled by demonic forces. Um, that's why I refrain from listening to music like that. I don't, when I came to Christ, all that stuff ceased. Um, I just couldn't allow myself to listen to music like that anymore. Um, and it's crazy, you know, because when I wasn't saved, um, I was listening to that garbage. And, um, I remember as a kid, my dad used to tell us all the time, turn that garbage off in my house. I don't want to hear that, (laughs) you know, as a kid and, you know, as a kid, you don't really understand, you know, the effect that this stuff can have on the mindset of people, you know. But the older I got, the more I started to see, like, man, this stuff is demonic. You know, um, my wife was telling me that uh, Megan Thee Stallion, she had a video of her coming out of a snake. Like, it, like this, like this, the music industry is, a, is demonic and it's a tool that the enemy used. It's a tool that the enemy used for sure. So, you know, I was just, you know, when I heard CEO talking about that, I just, you know, had a few comments on that. So, Megan Three Stallion is is that? Oh, no. V T H E E. Oh, okay. Because misspelling things is cool. Okay, got it. <laughs> Megan V. Stallion. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just gonna say no. Hey, it's important for you to know these things in case your kids, you know, end up discovering. <laughs> for sure. For sure. You know, like back in the day, I couldn't bring NWA. And two, and uh, two live crew in the house. 
But my dad played all the Mr. Pride. Two Live Crew? You listen to Two Live Crew? Wow. I actually know them. <laughs> wow. I was a DJ was back too in the much day. For yeah. me. At my most satanic, that was too much for me. <laughs> Steph would call it ratchet. See, I knew the songs I could play in the club like you like where I knew what I couldn't play. I could play The Ghetto by Too Short. But I couldn't play that uh, one of the other songs, Cuss Words. I could play that. <laughs> I could, you, <laughs> my dad would have a fit. Take that off. But then turn around and tell me to put on a, a song uh, called Stroke It. By Clarence Connor. And if you listen to the words of that, and followed by Love Me With a Feeling, same person, and then Candy Liquor by Marvin C. They wanted to hear that low down dirty blues, and they wasn't cussing, but you knew what they was talking about. And the same thing that Two Live Crew was talking about, Two Short was talking about, Marvin C. Clarence Carter was talking about. Was it Love I, and Respect for the Police? Marvin C. is a blues artist. I mean, blues, what they call Southern Soul now, but it's, everybody knows it's the blues. Like B.B. King, Bobby Blue Black, folk like him. I mean, I listen to Metallica. <laughs> All right. Anything else? <laughs> Pastor Mark, feel free to tell us about your uh, rap battle days if you want. All right, here comes some invites. Take them if you want. If not, this could be a short day, which is just fine. We've had some good topics already. Speak if you want to. What's up, brother? Not much, just driving around listening. I, I just want to say, you know, see how much you miss, like, Chris and Steph whenever they hear you have a short day. Yeah, it's awful. I wish everyone could just get along. Yeah, I don't know where Steph is. Apparently, Chris is on a uh, field trip in, in Washington, D.C. Um, and, and last I heard, he was he was, what, like, talking like debating with Catholics or something. So, you know, he's probably gonna get thrown in the thrown in jail over something. <laughs> so yeah, apparently he's out for this week or at least most of the week. Oh, so we're still having beef. He should Who, come Chris back with some good stories. Chris, Chris and the entire Catholic religion. Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super annoying. Like I wish, I wish we could all just, everyone could get along. But yeah, it's it's risen to that level of internet Christians, how everyone is telling everyone else like they all need to like repent and bow and like grovel to them in penance uh, in order to be forgiven and move on. Um, yeah, so it's it's at that level. So I'm like, guys, come on. I'm like, no one's in like you know some like some sort of like pastoral spiritual role above anyone else. It's a bunch of 
It's a bunch of adult children fighting about God on the internet. Like, that's where we are. Why don't you uh, promote your first ever Ask a Christian debate battle between Chris and Seth? <laughs> I think you would get a good audience for that. Yeah, but would I be doing any good whatsoever for the world? Probably not. <laughs> Is it about views or not, Nate? Prioritize. <laughs> what? Uh, how many views equate to one soul? Hey, random. What's up? Hey there. How you doing? Good. Just woke up. Oh, ready to hit the ground running? Apparently. So, so that was uh, a continuation from yesterday. Sure. Yeah, I... um. I'm curious what, uh, I guess to continue from yesterday as I collect my thoughts, uh, what makes you conclude, aside from starting from the conclusion, that souls exist? Uh, sorry, what makes me conclude that souls exist? Correct. I imagine explaining it to someone like you who who does not conclude souls exist or at least is agnostic to it it's it's going to be my explanation is going to be reduced to like a sense or a feeling and you're going to be like what that didn't explain anything i'm like well yeah but since you deny the existence of it that's the best i got um but for myself yeah like it's it's just like the same reason i believe like you know jesus of the bible is true the bible is god's word like you know i did what the bible says I prayed to Jesus. I directly communicated to this God, um, one-sidedly, taking a shot in faith. And it turns out, I believe, you know, it was reciprocated. And there is this very spiritual awareness um, that is like another sense that I just cannot shake, I can't deny, and I can't get rid of. Um, nor would I want to. I'm like, I believe, you know, that enlightened me more to like the understanding of the universe. That, hey, there is this natural physical world, but there is also a, a spiritual non-material world. And it is just something I cannot shake. The evidence was overwhelming, um, subjective as it might be. Um, my lifetime of experiences have taught me I'm not, uh, you know, I'm a pretty decent judge um, of the world around me. So I'm pretty skeptical. I'm pretty cynical. And I think those are pretty good tools to rule out being gullible or naive. Um, it may not be completely foolproof, which would get into, well, there is an element of faith. Um, but yeah, so sometimes people will say, well, they need other people to interpret things for them, or they need other people to possibly make sense of what I understand to be very simple things, but they just don't trust their judgment or trust themselves enough. Well, if I was in that boat, the evidence of my life would be evidence against me. So anyways, that's a long way of saying um, it's a feeling or it's my faith, but that's the best I got. I believe I'm a pretty good judge of evidence presented to me, and this experience these experiences um that's why so that's why i believe that yes there's an existence of a soul um the bible is the word of god jesus is true jesus is real and there is life continuing after death so in, in everyday life what is it 
that you would say you would you you could specifically point to that would um, be that um, exemplification of the soul? Is it a personality? Is it like what what might it be? Well, I don't know if it's like a quantity or quality argument, but I mean, every day, like right now, I'm acutely aware, like, you know, whenever I you know go to bed, wake up, you know, throughout the day, I, I try, uh, I don't even know if I can not do it at this point, but, you know, to be aware to like, you know, the Bible talks about meditate on the word of God, like, you know, meditate about God, about things of God. And my mind uh, instinctively, you know, just kind of goes there. So, you know, throughout prayer, throughout all this, all this other stuff, while it's not directly to me constantly thinking about the existence of a soul every waking moment, um, as often as I've reminded about any of these things, as often as I'm thinking about the Bible, especially when we're talking about religious discussions in here, um, you know, as, as much as I'm reminded of that, as much as I'm, you know, praying, communicating with, I believe God, um, then it's constantly like on my mind in some degree, because if one thing is true about this spirituality about God, then all things are true about the spirituality in God, including a soul. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't constantly think every waking minute, souls, souls. But as much as I think about, you know, God or Jesus or I'm praying or reading my Bible, then yes, this is true. Like, I'm not able to escape this, um, which means I'm not able to escape anything else that subsequently follows, including, but not limited to, souls. So, uh, so, Randall, so I'd like to weigh in. Well, let him respond. Go ahead. Well, we'll respond, Random, real quick. So, oh, okay, sure, sure. Yeah. I, well, I, I, I was going to kind of tangent to something else because, because what okay. I'm hearing. Well, then maybe. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. Just I, to I'll get look. the. Yeah, I'm just trying to get the reply of whoever is most closely responding to the last thing said. So I guess yeah, see you. I, that's I, you. <laughs> I want to, Random. I wanted to ask you a question, then it'll help me with my response. Um. Do you, would you acknowledge that humans have a level of consciousness that is unique to us that expands beyond what what animals have? I want to say yes for him. Right. Um, it, it's I don't know. Like my my answer to that is kind of a yes and no. Um, and, and I say that because I, I want to say yes, because clearly we have the capacity to like really, really think, and I don't want to discount that. On the other hand, we, there are so many aspects of air quotes consciousness that we can see in animals. Okay, so let me let me try to give you a specific example. So I'm not saying animals are void of consciousness. I'm saying that we have a level that goes beyond her. So for instance, my father passed away 15 years ago. I still love him, right? And still think about him and can still remember things. Like, I don't believe if a whale had, you know, a family member die... 15 years, that it would still be actively thinking and contemplating it. So would you acknowledge something like that? Could you repeat that last part? You, okay. you don't believe what? Okay, so uh, I can still think and love and reflect upon my father having died 15 years ago, right? If a whale had a offspring or, you know, some other family member 
that died 15 years ago. I don't think in the present it would still feel that love and think about it. Do you, do you agree or disagree with that? I would simply say, I, I don't know. I'm, maybe I would find it unlikely, but, but I, I, I don't know, or maybe don't know if we could even know that. Okay. I, I mean, it, it seems like just a given that would have to say like, I mean, use evolution. I mean, we may not agree, but I mean, that's the time to use it. Like just, just, I mean, it seems a given that you would say like, we're at least more evolved than, I mean, this, this would solve itself if you met my pets. Like if you met my pets, you'd be like, oh yeah, they're dumb. We're smart. But I mean, you even say more evolved or higher, higher, more high evolved or whatever. Um, but because, and also I think people confuse, yeah, confuse thinking or consciousness or activity for instinct. And I would say that would be a difference. Like if it looks like, oh, you look into your animal's eyes and you see its soul. No, you see that if you had a stroke, it would eat you right now. And like, you know, that's demonstrated kind of by if we're hungry, we have the ability to think down the road like, OK, well, I'm hungry, but, you know, I'm getting a little fluffy and I want to lose some weight. So I'm going to skip a meal. Or if I'm hungry, oh, well, no, I know we're having a big dinner tonight for a birthday. So I'm going to pass this meal. If an animal is hungry, it's going to eat. It's going to try, try to take the first available thing and eat. And even if, like, you're my cat and you're incredibly obese, when it's hungry, it eats. Um, I, I mean, I get humans can be like that, too. But, I mean, it doesn't have the forethought to think, oh, I'm going to get fancy feast tonight, so I'm not going to eat this meal. I'm going to skip. Even I'm going to deny my baser primal urges Thank because, you, uh, because you I'm thinking down the road. Yeah, you used a better example. So, Random, would you admit that humans can think about what's going to occur five years from now and animals do not do that? Yeah, I, would, I, I think that that is, a, that is an accurate statement. Okay, cool. All right. So... I think one of the ways to think about something like the soul is what is the aspect of us that allows us to do that, that it hasn't been like kind of scientifically completely framed. Like, where does that come from? And, and the answer is like, if you study neuroscience, we, we have ideas, but we don't really completely know. So that is one way I, I like to think about the soul as well. And I'm, I'm trying to give you a non super spiritual answer. Right. <clears throat> well, I mean, so in kind of to, to, to respond to that and, and to kind of point back to, to, to what Nate was saying. Um, I, well, first of all, the background, I used to be a Christian. I, I used to be very believy, um, and, uh, and very bought in, but one of the things that I noticed, at least from me and my experience, was that a lot of the justification, a lot of that justification of by my belief came from just kind of this this way of interpreting how I experience things. And and, and I would and I would say that a lot of what Nate said and what I was going to respond with earlier was that a lot of the things that Nate pointed to was just simply a personal experience and the way that he interpreted his personal experience, which is not really substantial. But like it's, you have to say, I mean, from an entire religion that harps over and over and over on how much this, this relationship between you and this God is incredibly personal to then be like, well, personal experience doesn't count or shouldn't count. 
it's kind of no. the thing of the entire religion. Right. <laughs> but I'm what, what I'm saying, Nate, is that as far as I could tell, everything that you pointed to could be just completely all in your head. Sure, I could be crazy, and I, yeah, I'll, I'll just concede everything no, you said. There, I, there, crazy would, is not the words I would use. Just, okay, no, just, no, I, I, I'm, I'm rewinding it. I'm saying I'll just concede to everything you said the way you said it. Yes, there is a chance of that. So then we can either say it's a faith position, um, which again, an entire religion that preaches faith. So there is an element that I'm taking on faith that I'm in fact not susceptible to the things you said, and that is not what's happening here. Or I, and I could still be susceptible, but I'm saying it's a faith position that that is not what's happening in this scenario. Um, so sure, I can see that could totally happen, which is why an element of faith is required. But I think my faith is bolstered by the fact of my, you know, the totality of my life that says I generally can be pr trusted to make pretty sound judgments based on the observations and evidence I'm presented with. Um, so yeah, it could be as you say, but I believe differently. And I don't even know if you believe that. I mean, you just said it could be, right? So, I mean, maybe you don't even believe it's all in my head. Um, maybe you're just stating what could be. I'll say, sure, it could be. Well, I mean, I, I state that because there isn't any subs anything substantial one way or the other. I, well, I'm more convinced by the idea that there isn't a soul because there isn't anything specific enough to point to there isn't like a line that one can draw because because when people claim souls most of the time they claim that humans have souls and the rest of animals don't have souls well, and I, so i believe that definition what? though for it i gave you a tangible non-spiritual even definition and scenario for it so what issue just out of curiosity do you have with the way that i framed it um yeah no that's fair uh i, I guess my what i would say to that is that line to be drawn i i it doesn't seem like something substantial enough to say this is definitely a soul well, right. I, I, I also well, I don't want this to get lost because it's not just this or that. Like this is a really multifaceted thing. Like like you know, like I mentioned earlier. Like I don't just believe based on one thing. It's think big, think macro, like zoom out, thirty thousand foot view. Like it's all things considered. It's like we were talking about before you got in here, like don't just take one thing in the Bible because you can be led astray by that. Uh, like if you cherry pick scripture and try to build a doctrine on that, you take the entire Bible and you build your theology on the totality of the scripture. So like we were talking about the verses that talks about judging earlier, right? And the verses that talk about that. It's like, well, no, you have to temper that or like praying in the will of God, right? Like, oh, you Christians should be able to pray for anything you want and expect to get it. Jesus says that. No, you need to take the verses about, you know, praying in the will of God. So there, that means you shouldn't just automatically expect to get everything you pray for, but you only, you only arrive at this conclusion if you take everything into consideration so like the soul yes it's it's largely a personal experience but it's not just a personal experience that bolsters that because taking the entire bible right which claims the existence of a soul but the entire bible also talks about all this other stuff that i believe uh, through natural evidence so like you know eyewitness accounts in the bible or geographic or you know locations or like the two tires we were talking two tiers i want to say tears the two tires we were talking about yesterday like just any of these things that you do have, eyewitness accounts, multiple eyewitness accounts, 
or archaeological evidence that people were said to never exist, right? Like they said, like the um, there's like a, a basically a race a race corridor in. I, I'm gonna mess it up, but if you read the Bible, it was like something that Herod or Pilate set up, and they're like, no, that never happened. There's no evidence of that. And then they found out, like later, like 20 years ago, probably now, there was archaeological evidence. They actually found like a sign from like Caesar commemorating like said racetrack. So it's just. Uh, it's just like these things in the Bible, um, maybe it wasn't a racetrack. It was like some kind of corridor or causeway or something. But there was like a, a sign commemorating the, the dedication of this thing that people said couldn't have existed to Caesar, showing that, yes, it totally existed. So all, there's all this natural evidence, too, for claims of the Bible. So it may not address the supernatural claims. It adds trustworthiness to the claims of the Bible, at least on a natural level. So you're taking all the natural physical evidence and also all this supernatural spiritual evidence that we Christians claim, and you're you're combining it together as one to reach these See, I don't. Com- I understand what you're saying, but I don't combine it together. Like, <laughs> I know that's the that's the problem. <laughs> but, I mean, you don't I, I would acknowledge say, the existence of one. So, I, mean, I was going to say I, I would counter that because you combine it all together. That's a problem because it's entirely possible for the natural claims to be the case and the supernatural claims to not be the case. And if you combine it all together, you're basically allowing things to collaborate that don't necessarily or have no reason to. Well, I was also getting to, okay, well, fine. But I mean, I would also say they stand alone. So on one hand, take the totality, like here's the entire encyclopedia, right? But then you want to talk about souls. So now you go to S and now you just have an independent point, right? But it's not just that independent point because there's an entire encyclopedia. So you can zoom in and zoom out. For me, I, I mean, you'd have to put me in a situation where I had no natural evidence and, or where I had no spiritual evidence to get an actual answer. Uh, but I, I would like to say, uh, without having the benefit of that specific scenario, that you know the, the independent points still remain alone. So you know, with no natural evidence, I cannot shake the spiritual connection I believe that I claim to this God. Um, if we only had natural evidence, I like to think that would still cause me to, you know, arrive at the belief in the Christian God. Um, but unless I'm ever somehow, which I don't see how I can be in that scenario, um, we'll never know. So all we have is I have the knowledge of the spiritual claim evidence and natural evidence. So we just can't help but to address both of them at the same time. All right. So, uh, so random, I want to string together a few inferences for you, and I want you to tell me if, if you find this to be completely irrational or just where it sits on you from a scale of one to 10. So when we take into account that we have no idea what existed prior to the Big Bang, when we take into account that we have no idea how something organic appeared for me inorganic, when we take into account everything that Jesus said, and you have people today that have personal experiences believing that they've encountered the Holy Spirit, um, that they've heard spiritual things. Um, someone like myself and Nate has had these experiences. Dr. King had a very powerful one where he said he was about to quit the civil rights movement, and he heard the voice of Jesus guide him and say that he should, he should not quit and he will be with him. So when you stack all those things together, all those inferences, do you look at that and say, you know, that's just still completely irrational? Or do you begin to see how people can land where Nate and I are? 
<clears throat> with the multitude of spiritual claims, I, I kind of I look at it two ways. Um, the first one is is kind of ad populum, which is a logical fallacy, but I can't say that it doesn't have like some weight to me. It it, it makes me very interested to find out whether or not it is the case. But because a ma- a large number of people have claimed spiritual experience, does not, in my mind, necessitate the existence of this of anything spiritual, because we have every uh, experience. Uh, well, we we have examples of many experiences, both personally in my life, and then we we can look at uh, documented situations where. People claim spiritual events, and there's just there's nothing to corroborate it in specific situations where there is nothing to corroborate it. And so it's not – a multitude claiming it doesn't – it adds some weight, but it doesn't add enough weight that it by itself would even come close to tipping over the edge for me. Does that answer the question? It, it doesn't because I stacked other things together, right? I, I also stacked that we at least know there's one level of existence that we don't have today. Whichever, whatever happened before the Big Bang, that was before its time and space as we know it. So that's another level of existence we're not familiar with. So we at least know there's more levels of existence than the one we experience. And then I gave you the example of we don't know how organic comes from inorganic material. So I guess I was combining the spiritual aspect, Jesus' teachings, time, space, right? Levels we don't experience. And we have no idea where organic material came from. All that together, not just the people having spiritual claims, but when you stack all those inferences together, does that hold any weight for you? It doesn't tip it over the edge. I understand what you're saying. I don't. I guess I don't really look at each of it as a, as as kind of like as I was saying to Nate. I don't stack it all together so as to come to a claim. I, I can see how other people would stack it together and come to that claim. But again, like the argumentum ad populum is is a logical fallacy. Um, saying that we don't know where. Um, we don't know where organic material came from, and to be clear, we don't know how it was organized because there is nothing so far as our experience or we've studied in organic material that is unique in the sense of unique elements. They are all the it all uses the same stuffs that inorganic stuffs does. Um, but because we don't know where it comes from, to jump to, to come to any conclusion based on where it comes from would be fallacious. Um, that's an uh, uh, argument from ignorance, um, well, well, that kind of mind. thing. Well, keep in mind that also, I mean, this is just me and CEO's perspective. Like, there's like almost 2 billion Christians. So I'm sure there is every way to mix and match this you can think of. I'm sure there are some people who are just like, I mean, I know some people who are just like, yep, read the Bible, believe in God. I'm like, that's it? They're like, yep, I picked up a Bible, I read the book of John, and there is a God. I'm like, okay. And then there's other people that are probably like, never read the Bible. And they're like, well, someone just told me John 3.16, and I, I, I prayed to Jesus, and I have this spiritual experience, and, you know, 
I, whatever. Like I just do in my heart, there's a God. So I mean, even though CEO and I seem to be on the very similar page, like there's an answer for every possible thing you can imagine. So I wouldn't let one idea uh, kill the entire God thing. Right. It is and a binary choice somehow. Uh, yes or no. It's certainly not one thing that I can tell. Like as, as I try to like uh, uh, be reflective about my own thought processes, as hard as that is, um, it, it's not just one thing that prevents me from having that faith. Um, and due to the fact that I don't seem to currently be able to believe um that means that i can't pray sincerely because that that whole section about praying to god requires sincerity and if i don't believe there's a lack of sincerity there is an innate lack of sincerity so unless you take like the gnostic like the gnostic atheist position stance which you claim just as much as a, a christian would claim they know there's a god Unless you take that claim, which I think Michael may be like one of three people who take that claim, where they claim unequivocally they know there is no God. And of course, maybe Michael didn't do that. I don't know. But of course they can't prove it. But they still make that claim gnostically. They just know that they know it. Um, I don't think you're that. I don't think most atheists are that. They'll be like agnostic atheists. Well, so if you're in that category and you don't claim that you know there's not a God – then you can you may not be able to sincerely pray to the pray to the God that you totally know exists because um, that would be dishonest. But if as long as there's a possibility, you can sincerely uh, believe that well, this God could be there, He could be real, um, and that would be where the sincerity lies. And I believe that equates to this small measure of faith that if you sincerely incorporate, because of course you can. You're not lying to yourself if you pray to this Jesus because you don't know if He exists. He very well could. Um, so as long as you're not at that position where you claim to know he doesn't, then sincerity shouldn't be a problem. I, uh, I, I would not claim, I would never claim that uh, I know that a God doesn't exist. I would say, however, based on all of my experiences and my investigation thus far, the Christian God is very unlikely to exist to me. And I mean very unlikely to exist well since that's the one we're talking about i mean not, i mean for either of us not no other gods matter for this conversation but right so i mean again same point stands so unless you gnostically just believe within yourself this christian god does not exist then there's hope um if you're like no i don't know about other gods i don't know about deism but this christian god this jesus in the bible i guarantee he does not exist well then you know Good luck. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and let me go can ahead. I second? I, I just know. Do you know the definition of the word soul? I most certainly don't, because I don't think that there's an agreed upon definition. Okay, well, the, the main definition of soul is the seat of mind, will, intellect. That is the definition of soul. So you have a mind, you have a will, which means you have desires, and you have intellect. That means you are able to reason. So uh, so the soul does definitely exist. Because without that, you wouldn't be able to process thoughts, 
you wouldn't be able to reason out things. You wouldn't have to have desires. Well, all you're doing is just defining it into existence. No, no, no. I'm not defining it. I'm giving you the actual definition. Well, no, no, no. What I'm saying is, like, you're using a definition. The definition that you're using is a, is essentially a post hoc view of aspects that we... You're using Latin terms. Just speak it to me in plain English. <laughs> okay, no, no, that's fair. That's fair. So what you're doing is your is is that definition is essentially an after the fact definition. Uh, basically, you're there. There, are in, you or some other individual has accumulated all the different aspects of a you know a human's thought processes or mind, and you're saying, well, because those exist, a soul must exist. So, so it's it's defining a soul into existence. If you're going to say that oh, the soul is an so accumulation we're, we're, of those things, I'll exactly. say yes, you're you're right. If you're going That's to thought. define the soul that way, then yes, it exists because I know that these things seem to be the case. But that doesn't really add any weight to what you're saying. Well, I gave you the definition. It's up to you. To you're very hard to hear, Sean. Definition or not. Very hard to hear. Is is it? No. When I said when I mentioned to you, kind of how how you were wording it, does that make sense? Like, does does it make sense why def, essentially air quotes defining it into existence doesn't really have any impact? Uh, and Nate, forgive me, but I'm on a bad road. <laughs> so. Here. <laughs> it's not like when I was on that smooth road earlier but the the idea of your rejection of why I why the, the term soul is defined that way I would have very serious uh, taken take aback by it because it's really to reject a st the st the standard definition of what soul is is not ad hoc. It's something that's been stated for centuries of what the soul is. So I, I can't, I can't overweigh something that has been defined something that way. Like a, a dog is a dog, uh, an animal is an animal, a fish is a fish. Love is love. No. <laughs> nah, uh, uh, no. Now we know when we read the Bible, we're going to be talking about storge, eros, <laughs> agape, well, <laughs> to, dial, to dial it back so, a little bit, I, I mean, we can intellectualize this forever. Like, basically, he, like, his argument's going to stand as long as there's a first human created that, that can think, that can bang a rock together, that can start a fire, and, like, reason and be like, hot, hmm, hot make warm, me cold, hmm, warm, therefore, soul. So, like, that, that, I mean, that argument can go back to the first creature that can reason. Um, at all. So, I, I mean, you know, you believe it or don't, you pray to God and you're convinced or, or you're not. Um, maybe that's oversimplifying, but I wanted to say hi to Darth Michael and hey, Dr. Josh, Connie, Rosalie, haven't seen you guys in a while. Well, except Josh and everyone else. Feel free to jump up and talk if you want. Darth Michael, what's up? Hey, hey, I, Nate, I came into the room and I got really excited because the first thing I heard you say was the Christian God doesn't exist. And I got really, I, I, I figured, you know, you've got my robes ready for shipping. I thought you were ready to burn yours. Um, yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's, it's so like, is, is that coincidence think, or is that Satan leading you further astray, flipping audio well, like that? Well, Satan doesn't exist either, but, um, it's, 
it, it is in, it is interesting, and uh, I, I think my hat of charitability is broken, um, because it's it's so like I mean, Random was like a, a thousand percent right. You know, it's like when when somebody says a soul is blank, blank, and blank, therefore the soul exists. Then I mean, you know, like Random with his charitable hat, I'd say, oh, you're you know defining into existence, and you know, kind of be nice about it. It's precisely what he was doing. Words have usages, not definitions. So, like, I mean, what does it mean to be ill, right? And people say, oh, well, you know, if you're not well. Well, ask the Beastie Boys, because they have a different definition of ill. <laughs> what does it mean to be sick? You know, it's like, oh, people say, oh, it's not to be well. Well, you know, ask a teenager now, and they say, oh, man, that new, I got this new thing, and it's sick. They mean it's really good. Words have usages, not definitions. There can be traditional usages for words. But unless you have an agreed-upon definition, I can say billy bonk and i can mean it to my car it doesn't mean anything you come to an agreement on something and so what sean did was precisely what random said and that is define the thing into existence a soul is x a soul you know this uh, x exists therefore the soul exists i'm sorry it doesn't work that way it's ridiculous I mean, it's preposterous easy well, there mate. i mean well to kind of kind of a i don't know give, give michael a little props uh, but also hand wave it away. Uh, yes, I, I agree that words have meanings and defining terms is important. Uh, he didn't say that, but he agrees, I believe. Um, so, I mean, you, you know, the what is the soul? Okay, well, let's not use soul. Let's use apple. What is apple? The part of you that can think, reason, mind, will, emotions that will continue to exist after your natural corporeal life has ended into eternity. Um, we're going to call that apple. There you go. Like that, that should be about as far as that goes. Like, basically we mean the part of us that's going to live on into eternity. And if we want to say that naturally encompasses our mind, will, our emotions, our ability to reason, things like that in a naturally seen thing, sure, I define all of that as Apple. Uh, so if you don't believe the existence of Apple, fine. And also a synonym for Apple is soul. <laughs> yeah, no, and I get it. And, and well, you know, the other thing that was said is, you know, well, you know, we have the ability to reason. Well, so we, we to the best of our knowledge, you know, minds appear to be what the brain does. A mind is the emergent property of the brain. And reasoning is, a, is an emergent property of a mind, right? It just, it like, it was just to say, well, the only, the only reason you can reason is because you have a soul. That's ridiculous. Like, it, like and, and to say, and like, Nate, you can, I mean, you can say, like just, like, just 10 seconds. You can say that you believe in this, like non-corporeal thing that's going to survive but we have but we but that's only a belief sure i'm fine with that that's so far away from like what the gospel of jesus actually is which is repent and believe and pray to god that i mean i i have a very little dog in this fight <laughs> so i mean sure you can define all kinds of things like that uh, that I, I even if i would want to challenge on accuracy it's not worth it because even if you're like okay i get it the way you define it the way you explain it I now believe in the existence of some kind of quasi-material soul. Great. That does nothing for the Christian whose goal is to, I mean, unless they say it's like a breadcrumb that will further get you down the road. But I mean, I, I mean that does nothing from our perspective, which is like, hey, point to Jesus. That's where we go. That's the point. So, I mean, any other like adjacent, like not even adjacent, like far removed from being adjacent thing doesn't matter. You, you, except you for intellectual it. back and forth. You push it away, Nate, but the significance of whether or not there's a soul is 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 huge 
especially as as you relate to your own faith. And so I'm curious why you're pushing it away as if like, ah, that's not important anymore when it's so very significant. I'm and sorry, I'm not trying to like, you know, choke and die here. I just can't always hit the mute because I'm shooting people in Fortnite. But no, I'm not pushing it away in, in the way it, I guess the way I said or the way it seems. I'm approaching, they're, they're, we're approaching this subject from different angles. So you're talking about from the natural getting to a supernatural soul. That, that's, that's like where you're coming from is you're starting at the natural and then you're having this intellectual discussion to get you to or not to the existence of the soul. And I'm coming from like, God exists, Jesus is real, eternity is long. And then I'm working backwards to be like, yes, there's a soul. Yes, there's a soul. So my thing, my thing is not I'm just handling it away and say, don't worry about it. I'm saying focus on the bigger thing in the room, which is God, because if, um, you know, if God exists, then you can – that automatically answers a whole bunch of other things. Instead of answering a whole bunch of little things that may or may not end up in a God belief for someone, if you get the God part, that automatically answers not only that issue – but a whole host of other things. It's like a, it's like a, you know, kill a, like a thousand birds with one stone. So, you know, it's the bang for your buck. It's the value approach. <laughs> hey, hey, have you guys talked about the Shroud of Turin? Uh, we talked about that yesterday. I think someone brought that up. But yeah. is that, was that just an independent question or did you have anything yeah. to say about the soul I, thing? No, no, I was just an independent question. Thank you so much. Oh, uh, there's there's yeah, just a lot of there's a lot of good stuff in, in doing the research on that just for those that, that may want to go look that stuff up. It's best if, if we do that type of research so that we can be thorough about it and understand that there's things that that we can explain and things that we can't explain. Because we're not God. Only God knows everything there is to know. But thank you so much, Wait, appreciate Freedom. Yeah, when it comes I, I, to things when it well, comes to things tell you can't he, explain well, about the threat of Turing, what are those? Well, hang on. I was just going to tell him if he wasn't here because I don't remember yesterday. Like, I mean, we talked a, a pretty good a bit about it. So, I mean, if you're if you're curious what was said, if you weren't here, uh, I mean, check out yesterday's replay. But go ahead, random. Yeah, when you're uh, when you're talking about the things that we can't explain about the shroud, w- w- what are you referring to? There's that. Well, you know they. There's, I mean, there's just so much. There's too much to, to go over uh, concerning the Shroud of Turin. Um, it's it's impossible to debunk as a forgery. Um, I mean, it's there's just too much of it. I can't remember it all right now. Uh, well, Michael, since thing? we're having different, yeah, how, well, how about pick one thing? Because I'm pretty sure, like, the Shroud of Turin was debunked like over a hundred years ago. Um, like, it's just, yeah. But just, just pick one thing, like, I mean, like to, to what Random said. It, like, don't list everything. Just pick one thing that we can't explain about it. Where it came from, how, how, how it, how it got made. They can't duplicate it. They've gotten the best around the world to try to duplicate this thing, and they can't. Um, how how the, it became a three-dimensional, like basically a negative, they're, they're fascinated by all these things. And from my understanding, the part that they took to try to carbon date, it was, it was, it was a part that actually got sewn into the original shroud. 
So they try to repair it. And that was something that they did not realize back when they did all these um, scientific uh, tests and stuff on it. Yeah, so a quick little, you know, Google being our, our overlord, uh, a quick little um, search. Yeah, I, I was wrong. In 1988, a team of international uh, scientific experts performed radiocarbon dating on snippets of the Shroud of Turin. And the results showed that the famous cloth did not date back to the time of Christ's crucifixion in first century AD. And that's all, what I, all I hail the mighty Google. Did you hear what I just said? That's exactly one of the points I made is that. There's actually, ironically, if you, you go look, there was a couple that actually did their own research and got interested in all this, these things. And they actually discovered that part of that shroud was actually repaired and they interwoved a, a different piece of cloth into it. And unfortunately, that's the part that they actually cut out to do that carbon dating testing. That's exactly what I was kind of trying to point out to you. So. You know, the fact that they have already did all the tests. Have you, here, let me ask you this, though. Have you went and did extensive research on these matters concerning the shroud? No, I've not. Okay, I highly encourage you to do that. But that's up to you. See, okay. this can, that, can you provide me, can, can you provide me with some links? Quick. Hold on. Um, so, I'll try to, yes, sir. Um, the, the truth is going to be given. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the truth will be given. And it's up to people to hear this and to decide whether they're going to believe it or not. And that's your right to decide not to believe the truth of the gospel, which is the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, the canon. And, and I understand it's difficult. I've, I was there at one point. But the main, the main thing that convinced me is when I stepped out in faith and I started uh, praying to this God through Jesus Christ. And applying his word in my life and six months into it, I'm like, if you're a real God, then there's going to be at some point a miracle that takes place. And he says that it, all it takes is a faith of a mustard seed. So my little attempts to pray and take steps to believe and have some little type of faith was that mustard seed. Six months later, I'm out of food because I was involved with drugs, selling drugs and all. And. And the devil was telling me to go back to doing that. Go back to selling drugs. That You know how to do this. And I got upset. I got mad. And I said no. And then I repeated God's word back to him. And I said, Lord, you promised in your word that if I ask, I shall receive. You promised. You said that look at the birds of the air. They don't worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, what they're going to drink. Aren't you more important than the birds of the air? So, Father, I thank you right now in faith. Because you say in your word, the righteous walk by faith, not by sight. And believe that when you ask, you have received it. And I'm doing that right now in the name of Jesus. Within five minutes, I got a knock on my door and a woman actually gave us five bags of groceries. I started jumping up and down, screaming at the top of my voice. He's real. He's real. He's alive. He's alive. And I was hooked. So that's just my experience and personal testimony. But you have every right to believe what you want to believe. I would just encourage you to dig like crazy to find the truth out. And I, and I thank you so much for, for hearing me out. Well, yeah, I just, just quickly, um, I, while I appreciate your testimony, um, I'm sorry, I don't believe it. Um, and it, you know, I, it's too bad that you went on hard times and I'm glad that thing, you know, something happened to, uh, to, uh, to change that for you. But, um, you know, you, I, I, as a dog's involuntarist, 
uh, and Nate's on board with me with this. I don't believe, I don't uh, think that we can choose our beliefs. Belief is the process of becoming convinced of the truth of a proposition. Um, and, um, yeah, like I, I understand the, I understand, I understand the whole walk by faith, not by sight. You have to have faith. Hebrews eleven six says you can't please God without it. I get it. It's in your rule book. You have to follow your rule book. Um, but I don't view the Bible as an authoritative source. I have applied the quote unquote prescription and I won't say any more than that. Cause Nate, as Nate giggles in the background, he knows what that is. Um, it is yet uh, ineffective, um, ineffective, I should say. And, you know, I, I used to believe as you do. Um, and I no longer believe I've become convinced otherwise. And, Same for me. you know, there, there is, there is just too much. Like it's not always oh, a, you know, and I get asked this question all the time, you know, why'd you become an atheist? And I said, well, it's not one thing, right? It's a bunch of things. Um, but when I, when you break it down to the lowest common denominator, and I know this, this is like, this is like uh, Nate Crow quoting Romans one to me. Um, I know this drives Nate crazy. When you break it down to the lowest common denominator, the best evidence that the Christian God does not exist is the Bible. That that's the best evidence that that God is completely mythical in every way, shape and form. And I, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm sorry you had hard times. I'm glad things are better for you now. And, you know, if, if your faith gives you comfort, then that's fine. And as you suggest that I look at things, I suggest that you look at things. And, you know, we can, we can, we can, we can stand in total disagreement and still be decent human beings to one another. And, uh, and that's fine. Oh, Nate, by the way, last thing I'll say before I kind of go, I got mute for a little bit. I love your profile picture. It's hysterical. <laughs> I was, when I did that, I was wondering specifically what you would, uh, what Michael's reaction would be. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's some, I actually have to run to, we'll get some final thoughts and then I have to go. But, um, I mean, someone's uh, brother says in chat, you know, the Christians aren't debating quite correctly. Like, I don't think the Christians should debate at all. I mean, it gets, it's like that. That's like the, the candy or like the carrot. You keep trying to reach out and reach out because it's just such a tempting path to go down and, you know, different strokes, different folks like Paul, you know, Paul reasoned with like people in Greece for like four years or something or two years, a really long time. Um, so there is an element to, you know, defending the faith and giving reasonable, um, I, I guess, ideas and presentations for why it's reasonable. But at the end of the day, I mean, like Michael says, um, you know, you can't choose your beliefs. Uh, we differ, though. I mean, I think we technically agree, but I seem to put a lot more emphasis on turning over rocks, do your research, investigate and uncover something that perhaps will force your beliefs to change um, against your will, even. Um, and, and I don't know if Michael goes quite so far down that road with me. I think he would agree to it, but I don't know if he if he really puts the same emphasis on I do as kicking over new rocks. Um, but uh, I think at the end of the day, it shouldn't be a debate. It should be, uh, you know, like the Bible says, a call to repentance, right? It's like, hey, repent. The end is near. Uh, that type of thing. Like John the Baptist, like, you know, repent. Turn from your sin. Turn to God. Have eternal life. That's it. Done. Boom. And people, I mean, often we get sucked in. It's like, but why do you believe? Or but why? And then we go down this whole like debate, like, you know, what's happening now? Um, anyway, it's not right. It's not wrong. But I think ultimately, if, if someone's going to be convinced, it's probably going to be, you know, it's going to be from God anyways. We're just the messengers. So what about all the, yeah, yeah. So what about all the prophecies that have been fulfilled to the very detail of the prophecy? You know, there's, 
God himself said that he is God and there is none like him that will declare the end from the beginning. And here we are seeing everything coincidentally taking place exactly how he depicted. And so that's I, real quick, one of the can, biggest... I, can, I, can I pause you? Because well, I would on, like yeah, a sure specification. You, you sure can. Oh, of course. I, you I would like a. Yes, I know. I would like a specification. So like you, you're I saying mean, that you have you like have real three times coming into existence as a nation, exactly as the Bible depicted. It said, and at the third time, it would never be uprooted again. And this is our time clock that starts counting down, because what's happening is we're starting to see the fulfillment of the uh, Gentile. It's the Bible talks about that God said that he was going to turn his attention to the Gentiles and to time, until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And then he'll turn his attention back to Israel and you'll start seeing a lot of things going on with Israel. So that's another plunge that I would highly suggest that you take is to get into the prophecies of the Bible and examine all of them. There's only like maybe 500 of them left to be fulfilled. And it's just down to the point where Josephus, it talks about his story and Josephus going to the land and taking measuring, like taking measurements and just different things like that. It's just unbelievable how these things are coming to pass. The Dead Sea is starting to dry up, you know, and I mean, not the Dead Sea, um, the River Euphrates drying up. We've known about this for thousands of years. And now, coincidentally, it's drying up to make way for the army of the east so we're seeing these things being played out there's so many things that are coming together i mean and like the gentleman pointed out we got archaeological findings we got people outside of uh like religion per se we got historians that are uh coming and validating a lot of the stories a lot of these historical figures like king herod and all these other people that were in power back then. I mean, it's there's just so much. Then you have all the experiences that people are having, supernatural things that are having. I know a guy had a tumor in his neck. It was cancer, third stage. And he's a mighty man of God. He travels around the world, uh, networking the body of Christ together, you know, to strategize, to go and win the loss at all costs. And this man was diagnosed with third, stage three cancer. A week later, he just totally just, okay, he heard what the doctor said, and he went about his business like nothing was ever told to him. And a week later, they look for it, and it's gone, completely gone. I mean, there's validated miracles by doctors themselves being amazed and puzzled by what in the world took place. So, yeah, that there's too too much. Uh, so yeah, as, as for the... Yeah, as for the prophecy, and just real quick, as for the prophecy, uh, you're saying that is coming to its fruition. Could you uh, tell me uh, within a specified amount of time what you expect to see? Oh, so times and dates is beginning dangerous to put time and dates on things. I'm just, just have guessing. General time like frame. Within five okay. years. Well, I'm within, no, I mean, well, I'll, no I'll, I'll take I this one and I'll finish it because I really have to run. But Freedom, it's nice to, nice to hear, hear from you. But, um, yeah, I, let me take a stab at what freedom may say. I'm just guessing because it's the same thing the Bible says. But who knows when, right? Could be a thousand years, probably not. So we, we don't know times and dates. But basically, you know, the river's going to dry up. And, you know, the Bible talks about flip to Revelation. So if you want to know, like, how you can, um, um, like, definitively prove 
at least this prophecy is true or these prophecies is true or this Christian God may have something to it. Just keep a bookmark in Revelation and go ahead and read it. I mean, you know, like every good atheist has read it a thousand times, but, you know, keep a bookmark there. And as things get more and more sketchy, it may not be in your lifetime. If it's not in your lifetime, then, you know, whatever. Um, but if, it, if, if things in your lifetime start kind of seeming like they're lining up to Revelation, you can only think based on Revelation, right? Because it's very descriptive. So there's only so much you can do to be like, yeah, it's a coincidence, it's an anomaly, because it's very specific. But essentially, if you're around and you start seeing lots of armies deciding that they're going to eradicate, uh, you know, Israel and, you know, attack Jerusalem and all this stuff. And there's like, I think, what, like 10, like major countries and armies who come against Israel. Um, keep, keep an eye on that, right? Because the Bible says it's not going to happen. And that's basically like Revelation. So I don't know if you're, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because some of the stuff described in Revelation is so uh, intricate that if it happens, you're definitely going to be like, holy crap, the Bible called that 100%. The bad part is is probably going to be too late for you at that point. Um, but, I mean, th- I mean, I, that's a really a really rough way to be like, I told you so. Um, so I, I, I don't know what else to say. If you're not convinced, um, you know, by anything else, um, the thing that would finally, you'd be like, oh, gosh, I'm convinced, is also going to be the thing that damns you at the same time because um, it, it'll be too late. But in a nutshell, armies are going to try to attack Israel and destroy it and destroy Jerusalem. And God says, no, that's not going to happen. Revelation's going to start. You know, fire's going to fall from the heavens, like, you know, giant hail blocks that are like 200 pounds. Um, very, very cataclysmic, like extraordinary, unbelievable type of stuff. And um, I mean, you've all read it, right? Like everyone's read Revelation. So when you see things like that start to happen, um, if you somehow are able to, um, and you're convinced then that the Bible is real and, you know, this is prophecy and Jesus is real, um, well, I would Im- encourage you to employ the prescription, um, if able. Um, I, I still think there'll be some people that somehow may actually be able to rationalize it away. Um, and those are people will just say are brainwashed at that point. But anyways, um, freedom, I'm just going to take a stab that that's kind of the thing you would have said, because that's what the Bible says, but I really do have to go. Um, thanks for being here and I'll catch you guys all later. Happy thoughts. Happy thoughts, everyone. Cheers. <laughs>